Every person has a story, but not everyone has a place to tell it. I'm Frank Swoboda. I've interviewed amazing people all over the planet. I want you to meet them. This week, the most interesting person you've never heard of is... My name is Jim McPhee. I'm the most interesting person you've never heard of because I played in front of tens of people for Gonzaga basketball last century. Hey, thanks for doing this, Jim. Yeah, thank you. I mean, we are sitting here, so just to be honest about when this is recorded, this is recorded on Black Monday, or, or wait, Black Friday. This is Black Friday, the day after the Zags get bumped. Sadly. I was thinking, oh, let's have Jim McPhee on, because as they triumphantly you know, tr you know, tranche their way to a national championship, who better to talk about that? And then, of course, they, you know, get their tails kicked by yeah. I think I can a really speak good with, Ar I can speak with, with more personal knowledge about the disappointment well, after losses than I could about that's winning why, NCAA that's tournament why I games. Thought so, this yeah. is even better. Yep. But also, you know, mostly how spoiled we are in this town yeah. to be Zag fans because when you played, I mean, this, I played, was, this I played, was not even a distant... Did you ever fathom this? I played in front of tens of people. I was one of them. Yeah, yeah. Thank <laughs> you. Pretty much every thank time. You. Yeah, thank My you. My favorite moment support. about that was it was so quiet in there that <laughs> I could always hear you because you were just down the hall, like three or four doors, right, from at, into Smet, and we'd always hear you when you would miss hitting a cutter or something. You'd miss a pass. Shit! And, it, be, and the whole place could hear it because yeah. there was no crowd. <laughs> Yeah, back in the day. Back in the old kennel. Yeah. Back in the old kennel. So, so I think we're spoiled. How, yeah. how spoiled is this community? Well, it's, yeah. I mean, the, this run is unprecedented. And to maintain it like that, that's what's even more insane. I mean, you're going to wax and wane and have good years and okay years. But, I mean, when, I mean, the one I always go back to is, so we're about to lose um, Sabonis and, Wilt, and Wilcher. You know, what are we going to do? We're gonna make the final game the very next year. I mean, the ability to reload is probably, to me, the most remarkable thing about the program. Yeah, I would. I I think that's that's one of the. But I I wonder now, as we go into, so so just to backtrack a little bit. <clears throat> so you played what years? Eighty-five to ninety. I had a redshirt year my junior year. And during that, your freshman year, I believe, there was no three-point shot in college basketball. No, it wasn't until my junior year, I think. So you, I think, yeah, I think 87, something like mm -hmm. that. I look back, and in fact, I had a quote. Uh, this is pretty cool. When it came in, nobody wanted, the coaches were right. against it. Krzyzewski said, uh, you should have to work hard to get a basket. He said, this is, this is a monster threat to America's you know, pastime. And, and, you know, now, of course, like, you know, right. he's, he's, you know, li lived with it and we've all grown with it. And I can't imagine the game without a three. I think it would be, it's, it's just, a, it was a much more, more boring game. Yeah. It was quick to integrate too. Cause our coach, my coach, Stan Fitzgerald, same way when it first came in, no, no, no. We're trying to get the best, highest percentage shot closest to the basket. But then you get, you know, people on the team like, you know, Mike Winger or, or Paul Walker, Doug Spradley, the guys that could actually shoot it and fits pretty quickly, you know, integrated it. Yeah. Well, you can shoot it. Yeah. So the other thing, I remember seeing you about, I don't know, five or 10 years ago at a subway downtown, you know, and there was just some article that had been in the paper and I'm like, McFly, you're the second leading scorer all time in Gonzaga basketball history. And you're like, I am? <laughs> third, actually. Are you third now? Courtney Vandersloot. I love that. 
That's yep. right. She, she is then, fantastic. Uh, I got to work with her. She was great. She was something to watch. Unbelievable. I mean, so amazing. So but, amazing. Uh, Frank Burgess is number one. He did it in three years without a three-point line. Well, that's, that's, that's where I was going with this. You're number three, but without like half your career without the three. Yeah. And Burgess, too, yeah. without the three. Unbelievable. He's an attorney, or was he a judge? He was a judge. He was an attorney, then a federal magistrate judge in Tacoma before he passed away. Um, but he, uh, he'd he come talk to us every single year. Just a just the greatest, greatest guy. You know, and, and I loved his story was, so he's being recruited. He's from the South and being recruited by, you know, a lot of huge schools. Right. But he said Hank Anderson, the coach back then um, on the recruiting trip, took him into the president's office. And the president mm-hmm. at Gonzaga University said, well, what do you want to study? And he said right then, that's where I knew where I wanted to go. So only recruiting trip where anybody asked him what he wanted to study. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. So is he still alive, I think? No, he's not. Did Frank's he pass not. away? Yeah. Yep. Did you, but you, you, did you see him later in life? Yeah, I did. I did. I'd, when we'd see each other, most of the time I was around Gonzaga games, and I'd say, hey, number one. He'd say, hey, number two. But my kids, <laughs> my kids just loved him. He's such a... So I guess Courtney Vandersloot's going to have to be an attorney. Something <laughs> smarter than that. Just to keep the streak alive. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I, you know, I watched that game last night, Gonzaga. You know, I didn't feel good about it the whole way. And I'm just like, Musselman's got our number. I, he, he's beat us before, mucking up the game, you know, um, run into a tough team again. All these kind of, you know, crazy athletes from 6'2 to 6'9, something like that mm-hmm. in that range. Uh, rebounders like crazy hit, hit the glass and I thought <clears throat> ah, you know super sad I'm like well hey Tommy's playing Arizona's going to play after I know this. everybody shifts gears and goes we'll root for Tommy now and then that's too bad I mean deja vu they ran they ran into Houston was almost a carbon copy right. of Arkansas right I, when I look at that I think uh, you know Jay Billis from ESPN always talks about whenever he watches Gonzaga and, and they're playing their game in the 80s and 90s so it's a beautiful thing to watch because they cut and they it is beautiful to watch that game last night was not beautiful to watch not because they lost but because i i don't remember as many let them plays it's turned into rugby i don't know what you think about that no no i I, and i think that's how you beat gonzaga you slow it down you have them score 29 in the first half i mean you do slow the game down to a snail's pace and I mean, they had to be a little bit lucky, too, that they would, you know, they, they're being so physical, but then you also have to have the refs, you know, and not to just blame the refs, but have them participate by swallowing their whistles a little bit. Because if they'd have called it tight, it would have been a different game. But if right. they're allowed to play that physical, I mean, it's just, it's just tough. It is rugby. Yeah, I know. It, I, don't, I don't like that. No. Do you no. think it it's should not good. It's not good. It's not, it's well, not enjoyable to watch. No, it, it, you know, like I said, it's kind of luck of the draw. I say maybe with different refs, the game could have been a little bit different. Not saying that the refs did anything wrong, but it's just tough to tough to adjust to that style of play. I think is it is it so having played as long as you played, it, how, how what is the relationship with the refs like? Is every game different because of that? I was raised by ref haters. So talking about my relationship, I mean, going back to grade school, you know, culminating with Dan Fitzgerald. So. Um, but you know, I, I think it's, uh, activist refs 
are annoying. But also, you know, I think consistency is one of the big things. You know, if the refs are going to call it tight, but they call it tight both ways all game, as long as it's, it's consistent because then it's cause and effect and you can adjust your game that way. It's when they're kind of inconsistent and they'll mm-hmm. let one team Not unlike an umpire that's calling the outside strike. If right. you're going to call it, call it. Yep. And you call it every time and you can make them, you, then you can make adjustments and there's some predictability to it. And I think that's it. When you have a... You know, when you take a look at the ref crew, if they're working really hard and they're being consistent, I mean, that's what you ask for. So, um, uh, you play for Dan Fitzgerald, who yeah. was, you know, I, I, uh, I remember when Mark got the job, actually, at Dan, Dan Monson was right. the coach. We were doing a bunch of highlight reels for him. In fact, Tommy um, was a grad assistant and, you know, or, or had just started you know, kind of, and you know, those guys making five grand a year. I think that when he was making that, <laughs> yeah. he was. Yeah. And we would do the highlight reel and, and it became clear, Billy first, Billy Greer, and then Tommy, it became clear to me that I had to feed these guys. <laughs> I literally, like, hey, you hungry? Want a burger? Right, right. It's, you know, they would come over to our place and there's always food and stuff. And, um, and, and I just remember that that group, those young guys after Fitz, they were so different. They were so different from him. What was it? Were, you were not on the edge of that. That you, Dan wasn't there. And yeah, he was. Dan was Dan and, there? Dan and Fugue. So you saw the transition from from Dan and from Fitz to Dan and Mark. What what was that like? We've, I've heard lots of stories about like just you know. I mean, it was such different generations. Yeah, you know. But also, I think the one thing that was great to see was you know Fitz was giving them a long leash, mm-hmm. and he was saying, "Now was go listening. and find me. Yep, go and find me a type of guy." And so, you know, and that's where Few and Munson really excelled. You know, they could go and turn over every stone and they could find, you know, I always take a look at like that movie um, Miracle about the 1984 U.S. hockey team. It's like we're not we're not getting all the best guys at every position. We're putting together kind of a system and we're going to get the right guys in the right spots. And then they just they were just my last year, the red shirt team. Um, was, I, I think, one of the first teams that really kind of turned it around. I always refer to my my team as my last team as like the zero and the 180-degree turn of the program. And it was the next guys that were just so cohesive, and they just bought into the system. And they played the right way, and they played, you know, for each other, for the school. And it was really something. But it was Fitzgibbon, Munson, and Few, this long leash to go find a type of guy. And then, you know, the redshirt team that year, a lot of times when a guy would redshirt, He'd be, you know, when he'd take the court, he had to learn the other team's offense, and they'd be a little bit almost coming on the court, not apologetic, but it was just like, okay, I'm a redshirt. I learned the other team's offense. These guys came in with the other team's offense to kill us, you know, and and it was just something so cool to see that, you know, they Give just got these. Some of the guys that Matt Stanford, it. Jeff Goss, Jeff Brown, Eric yep. Brady. Jeff Brown, wow. Yeah. yeah he, was was a, a, he was a big one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not that you weren't, because you were. You were a big get. For that program at that point. I yeah. Mean, but, it, but it was, these guys were, you know, uh, I don't know if I'd want to say different, but just maybe how cohesive they were, you know, and just, just great guys. Like I said, they just, you know, played to win, played for each other. Yeah. They were I've, just such a, such a tight group. I've heard, um, you know, podcasts or conversations between Billy and Mark and Dan about like, you know, uh, Fitz would would rehearse the tip. You guys would practice the tip. Mm-hmm. Like, why are we doing that? I mean, he was a big drill guy and a big repetition guy. 
kind of almost like a muscle memory type of thing. Right. Um, and uh, and I think I think uh, you know Fuel and Munson kind of carried that on. Well, they see. Bit. I mean, they were sort of like, "Why are we doing this stuff?" You yeah. know, and and also, um, you know, one of the big differences was, "Hey, we're going to go recruit this Pac-10 guy at the time, right? We're going to go find this Pac-10 guy." And, and Fitz was like, "We'll never get him." And they're like, "Yeah, we will." And they did. Yeah, you like, know, there it, was a little moxie there from those guys. Right. So it would be like maybe they were younger. It'd be somebody like Eric Brady, <clears throat> you know, from Mercer Island, and he'd go to UW, and then he transferred to Gonzaga, or he'd have Brown transfer to Gonzaga. And I remember, to me, one of the big, one of the big moments was uh, Matt Santangelo, who's staring down pack, back then Pac-10 teams mm -hmm. and Gonzaga, and he chose Gonzaga outright. And I thought, you know, that was a big, that's a big moment in the program. That was a big shift nobody really talks about. Right. Yeah. I know. And Steve Kerr was recruited by Gonzaga. I know. And turned down. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, that that actually, I I thought that was urban legend until I talked to the coaches that drove him back to the airport and said, no, I don't think you're going to. So when was he compared to you? In that he would have been before, yeah. There before, may have right? been there may have been a little, maybe a one year of a crossover, I forget. But So and everybody hears about the culture there. I mean, I think, I mean, I've seen it just peripherally just getting to, you know, I think I've filmed probably eight or nine zags and different things that we've done over the years and just the, I see the same kind of kid, you know, super. Um, remember that first year that they went, I guess, 98 or 99, whenever they went to the lead eight and Casey Calvary and all those, the mm -hmm. tip in and all that stuff. And I just remember, um, I think it was El Amin for Connecticut. Was he playing for Connecticut? Mm -hmm. And and the story was behind the scenes was, you know, all the all the Gonzaga players go up there without anybody. I mean, the, you know, Monson's mm -hmm. just like, these guys can speak for themselves. They're really smart kids. And they did. And they were just like fun and, and, you know, irreverent a little but but polite and, you know, just really appropriate dudes. And then El Amin's like, like turns around to the rest of the guys on the dais and says, I'm, I'm the only one talking, <laughs> you know, and I, I got this. And the other guys just didn't say anything. And I don't know if that was just his choice or not, but it was so refreshing to see these guys who are like, you just didn't see that. And, and I think that still was the case whether you, if you guys had been there, I think you would have been the same way. Is there are there things in the culture that that are still there from when you were there? Yeah, you know when you take a look at the program, just from facilities to the players to everything, it's just a different animal, you know. But the one common thread that I always say is just the type of guys that they get. I mean that you don't see them. I mean you don't see them selling out for the best possible recruit. They're still good fits, you know, and they're still polite. I mean one of the things I remember was, um, so we have like a alumni weekend and alumni weekend at that, after that alumni game, um, we all go down to the Hirak room and, uh, and once Kevin Pangos was in there and the other players were checking in with him and he was telling them when they could leave because he didn't want them, the players to seem impolite, you know, and just kind of come in, grab food and leave. Another one was uh, hmm. Nigel Williams Goss. Yeah. So he's sitting there we and he has a couple of Nigel for a whole day right out after they had gotten to the championship game. What a, what an amazing guy. Yeah. So I'm in there with one of my nephews and a niece. They're just little kids and they want to meet him and they walk up to say hi. And he has a couple of sodas in his hand and he says, hold on one second. He turns his back to him, but he sets them down because he wants to shake their hands. You know, it's just like little things like that. Yeah. But it shows you... You know, just kind of the character and the guys, the guys that they get, you can still really, really stand behind. Yeah, we just filmed with, um, with Joe Few, um, Will Graves, and um, Matthew Lang, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and one of the women players. Um, and 
I can, cannot remember her first name. I should know that. Anyway, um, she was fantastic. Um, and the same thing. They were all just, you know, I'm like, hey, you guys can hang out here and play pool if you want, you know, while we're filming one at a time. Um, <clears throat> and no, they weren't like, we're like all in to watch everybody sort of uh-huh. support each other, really polite the whole time, super easy to work with. Um, I don't think that's changed. I yeah. mean, it, you know, and they're the walk-in guys, but in some ways they have their own NIL deal now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So what has that done? Well, that was the other thing, like um, the transfer portal, right? So uh, there's such a finality in this town. I don't know what you tell people when, you know, like there's a hangover for about a month because this, we live in, we're so spoiled. Yeah, yeah. It's unbelievable. Like people don't remember like you guys would win 15 games. That was a pretty good year. Right. 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 And so, um, you know, when, when you have to deal with that, what do you, what do you tell people that are just, you know, moping around and sad? Yeah. Well, you know, it is, it is sad, but, um, at the same time, if you've got a long memory, you, you realize what rare air we're breathing. I mean, it shouldn't be that long of a hangover because we're sitting there opening the season at number one, closing the season at number one. And yeah, it's to get through the NCAA tournament. I mean, number one, you got to be good. You know, number two, you got to win one game ugly. And number three, you got to be lucky, you know. And uh, it's really, really hard to to even just get to the Sweet 16 this many times. And so, Seven in a row. Yeah, I mean, it's so disappointing. It's so upset, you know, last night. But at the same time, just staying objective as to where this program where it came from where it is it's they got a just tough draw insane. too that's right. not i don't know yeah. memphis is not a nine yeah which is yeah which is part of the part of the luck you know part of the luck aspect right maybe that was maybe that was their their close game was was that one instead yeah. of arkansas who played a great game i mean yeah. those guys did not miss I, I was surprised by how much they missed offensively yeah uh, they were tired something i don't know I guess it's just the defense of Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. Getting taken out of your rhythm maybe just a little bit. And sometimes, you know, it's just you have an off night. So how much do you follow it? Do you find yourself doing that? And and then I wanted to ask you about the first time they went to the Final Four, what that was like for you. Because did you go? Were you part of that? So yeah, tell I me did. about that story. Yeah. Well, you must follow it, or do you not? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, <clears throat> still still follow it. Have uh, season tickets. My brother Bryce has season tickets right behind me. That's, yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah. I, I think ours aren't far from you. I see you sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I got uh, Paul Verrett, who I played yeah, with. Yeah, Paul, yeah. Uh, he's next to me, I and then Brad Penny is right behind him. I and saw then, him in Vegas, or no, in uh, Phoenix at the at the Final Four. He and, and Chris. Uh, the, who's the other guy, Chris, that played with you? Delaney. Chris Delaney. Yeah. I saw those guys yep. at the experience, you know, Final Four mm-hmm. experience. I was like, what are you guys doing? It was great. I mean, at times it's surreal, but it's also, it's built up, you know, over time. It's not kind of a, an overnight, all of a sudden we've got guys and we're good. I mean, it's been, it's been it's building up to it. Yeah. It's been a, a long, a long progression, but still you find yourself sitting back and just realizing, like I said, it's just such rare air. Yeah, to be breathing, particularly for a school of our size, and so what was that experience like for you when you when they got there? It was great. It was just great to see everybody. I mean, so, that's so what I remember to, a so lot you of. Got it. to go. They invited all the players. Tell me about that. So yeah. what, what happened? Um, well, actually, my brother and I went for the final game. We didn't, and I wished I'd have gone for the entire thing because there was like a, a film session where all the former players were there and showed up, and then the the existing team. Um, as I understand it, like made a corridor and they were clapping while the former players. I mean, it's just and such a nice. That. You were there for I that. Did. Yeah, oh. I did. I did. Yeah. How, uh, but, I mean, it's just one of those other nice touches, you know. 
I think they do um, want to win it for you. Yeah, I think there is a sense. I think there is. Yeah, they 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 understand that the kind of the legacy, you know, whatever you want to whatever you want to call it, but it's just more you know like a like a brotherhood. Yeah, I think I I mean I found it really classy that Mark would do that. Yeah, like invite all you guys down there. Yeah, and and you know have a a bash and you know they just they enjoyed it i thought that might be the thing that got him over the hump and whether it was close yeah yeah you know talk about refs very similar well, again it's yeah it's just uh if that game is called um not as tight they win that yeah by 10 yeah i, I, think, I think we win that i think we beat them seven or eight times out of ten <clears throat> so it's yeah. just unfortunate uh the transfer portal so i look at this team right now and i go i mean yeah, like you said, oh yeah, the, every year you think that the, they're ne- they're never gonna figure it out, and then they do. But I I don't feel like they have as many um, players coming in from high school. They sort of have left that open a little, and it's it would you know it's a di- it's like free agency now, right? Like any player can go play anywhere. Do you would you have would you have tested those waters, McPhee? Would you have gone? No, I don't think I would have. I don't. I don't. I don't think you would have either. No, I don't think I would have. I, I think I was too much tradition. Well, no, that too, and I think I was um, realistic about myself. You know, um, I, yeah, I was a. I had a great time at Gonzaga, but I mean, if I thought I was going to transfer to Stanford, you know, yeah. and and contribute like that, I just don't know if. Plus, you put so much time into it. You right. know, I mean, I. I so much of your day that's one thing that i think a lot of people don't realize is you know it sounds great playing college sports but i mean it's really an exercise in like discipline and time management we just don't have any spare hours in the day it's really really hard um you invest so much into that program to think of playing anywhere besides that program to me is it's amazing but the thing about the transfer portal and gonzaga is so how do you find the really really talented guy um, that will come in and kind of be a role player. I mean, really, because when they need to shine, the, when the transfers need to shine, they shine. And they probably could do it all the time. But to get somebody who has maybe the just the, the team focus, maybe even like the humility, and really who's in it to say, I'm transferring because I want to be a part of something, you know, really special, and I want to try and win the whole thing. I mean, those are, that's, again, it just kind of goes back to that guys are all cut out of a, Similar cloth. I heard one time from somebody, it might have been Jerry Krause, who is amazing. I'd love to get Jerry mm-hmm. on this because he's still, he's that guy was an amazing dude. But that you get, uh, I think the coaches get an opportunity to meet every prospective player up to four times or something. Like there's a limit. Mm-hmm. You know, you can meet them once or you can meet them four or five times. And that at least, this back in the day anyway, that this crew, Mark and Billy and Tommy, would meet every player every time, all, as many times as they could because the character piece was that important. Does that surprise you? No, not at all. Not at all. And, and the other thing that they would do in recruiting was listen to the players. You know, after after you spend, you know, a weekend with a kid or something like that, you know, with a recruit, they'd sit you down and say, what do you think? And talk to all the players and what do you think? Because I want to make sure that he's going to be a fit you know, obviously a fit on the court, but a fit on campus, fit in the classroom. Right. You know, so so. P- yeah, you're building an ensemble. Yeah. Yeah. And it would just take it would just take one to you know one to spoil it. Best fit story. Oh, can't even come close. Give to me sharing. Three. I, don't I can't. Know. That guy. 
What was up with the white hair? The little white speck of hair? I don't know. I, <laughs> I'll never meet anybody the rest of my life that reminds me of Fitz. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. I knew my, kids, little, my kids just adored him, too. So I'd take my, my kids. So the same thing, you know, so my wife and I would adjust our schedules to pay for less daycare, and I'd have the kids on Saturdays. And so if I was working the Fitz camp, which is once a year, I'd bring the kids, and they'd draw these pictures for Fitz, and they'd hand him up these coloring books, and Fitz would look at it like, what is he couldn't even comprehend it because he, he, would, he would talk to everybody the same way no matter what. You know, it doesn't matter if they're a kid. It doesn't matter if they're True. an adult. It's true. Yeah. yeah, and my kids, my kids just loved him. Just loved him for it. He was like a big car- cartoon character, sort of. Yeah. A real life one. Yeah. No, no story? Was he hard on you, or you were kind of the sure, perfect he was... child? Dude, you were good. You were like, all-American guy, number 24, you know, <laughs> you had hair. And, <laughs> and muscles. Were, it was were, glorious. Hair were, and muscles. That was glorious You were time. cool. You were like the all-American dude. Yeah. Um, he must have treated you better than Spradley for sure. That, well, no, was it was more. It was ass. more that he didn't. That maybe we had fewer interactions because he wasn't needing to tell me, you know, what to do or, or something like that. <laughs> you, you did what you said you yeah. were going to do the first time. Yeah. No, we we. Uh, yeah. I when Fitz. So there was a different head coach at Gonzaga when I was Jay when Hillock I was being recruited. Was yeah. 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 And then Jay Hillock was no longer head coach, and Fitz, who was the athletic director, named us, named himself as head coach, and so. I actually called him that day and said, I want to, that's where I want to play. I mean, I fit. So he was recruiting my brother Bryce and I was in seventh grade and my brother Bryce, you know, if he said three words, his entire senior year in high school, it would, you know, it'd be amazing. And so he's sitting in the, in the recruiting visit and me and Fitz are just talking a mile a minute. (laughs) And I did bonded with, you know, him, you know, early on, but I mean, nobody had worked, nobody would outwork Fitz and he was loyal to a fault. Yeah, and you knew right. that he, I mean, and so like when former players, you know, if, if Jamie Dudley or Jared Davis, Jeff Goss, you know, Brown, Brady, they roll into town, Matt Stanford, um, we're always getting together and we've always got fits there. Yeah. Yeah. I remember he came into to Smet where we lived and tried to get us to go to the games. Cause it oh, was, yeah. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yep. I, I, you know, I tell people that, and they're like, what are you talking about? Like, you cannot get, you know, I've had season tickets for 20-something years, and, like, they're going to be willed to my kids. Yeah, yeah. I mean, back then? No. You could, we- walk in, you could walk in and out of the games. I remember, so my freshman year, Northtown was a strip mall. Yes. And they send us to Northtown, the freshmen, they send us up to Northtown, and we got, we have the posters with the, with the schedule on it. And it was Fitz with a light blue hard hat, and it says, blue-collar basketball is back. <laughs> Fitz is back. And it's got our it's got our schedule with like Montana Tech and Sisters very of the Poor and a really tough very tough, Dale Goodwin yeah very awesome yeah not the toughest preseason schedule our our power ranking <laughs> was not through the, the roof poor. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> dropping dropping forty points on somebody whose mascot was the Ore Diggers was a little different than today's preseason. <laughs> But uh, so anyway, they send us up That's there. That's how you we got have, to be the number have, two's leading scorer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, second. just you're yeah. playing Lewis and Clark State, not getting, Louisville. Getting guarded by five, six guys. Um, so um, we had the we had that uh, program, the poster with the schedule on it, and then we also had tickets I to our first that. tickets to our first two games, which were printed out on like eight and a half by eleven paper. You know that you crank out, and some bored student intern is cutting them out, and they're all crooked and they don't stack right. So we go up to the different stores and we're like, oh, "Hi, my name's Dimick Fam, I'm a freshman at Gonzaga." No way. I swear. And and uh, and uh, I'd like to see if we can put a poster up and you know tickets to our first two games. And I swear to you, half of the people, nope. 
No, not interested. Thanks, though. And then you'd have other ones. You'd have other ones that would call the athletic department like a month later and say, did these games happen? Can we throw these away? So, I mean, but you have the, but then again, I mean, you've got the diehard fans. And I never once looked in the stands and was like, oh, this is, this is sad. I only have memories of great fans, great kennel clubs, creative, you know, and we were there. I mean, we were, you know, we weren't dressed up like that or whatever, but our whole dorm showed up when he came and asked, it was like, okay, we went. Yeah. And, yeah, I, and I look back the beginning and of it, I think. some people have, you know, Honestly. I'll see pictures and to me, it's not, you know, it's not as sparse as maybe it actually was, but, um, you know, we'd bring in you know, some big, sparse. some big teams. Yeah. But I just, I just have fond memories of the fans. Did and, you play against DePaul when they came? No, see, it was my I brother was Bryce. Was, okay. Bryce did. Yeah. Cause I, I was going to those games when I was 10. Like we would be the halftime entertainment. I was telling this to Mike Hazel. It's like, it's like, and he's like, "Oh my God, you're right." Because at halftime, all the Catholic school kids would come down yeah, and yeah. play a pickup game. Yep. And you know that was it. <laughs> that yeah. was the show, and we would, I would go all the time to those games. Uh, and, no, my and, brother played on the team that beat DePaul at DePaul. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But I remember it was Ray Myers last. Yeah. One of his his last year. You know, and he got the biggest ovation. Ray Meyer got the biggest ovation at Gonzaga. Yeah, that's because he was a legend. Truly old school. Truly old school. I know. I know. I had a guy that I played with went to one of his basketball camps in Chicago. When we're talking about like, you know, now parents will drop their kids off a basketball camp and they'll stay there the whole time and they'll watch the entire camp and then they'll talk to their kids at breaks as to why they should be hustling more, playing better. And I always try and get. Uh, you know, I always make a, I don't know, make a motion before the camp saying no parents. We kick all the parents out. But so we're talking about the difference between camps nowadays and camps back in the day. Um, and uh, this guy talks about going to a Ray Meyer camp. And so Ray Meyer's talking to all the kids. They're all just sitting there and he's talking about whatever he's talking about. And one kid talks to his friend and Ray Meyer looks at one of the assistants, points at the kid. Assistant takes a ball, pings him off the head as hard as he can. Kid's almost knocked out, and nobody questions it. Right. It's just like, why were you talking when Coach Myers was talking? Right, right, right. You know, it's just a different, a different era. Not saying that it was necessarily better, you know, <laughs> you're not vol- oh, volunteering yeah. for head injuries, but it just was a, a different oh, well, era, and Ray Myers was about as old school My grade school you can football get. coach was a maniac, dude. Grade school. That's Kerry like Pickett. Grabbing your face, yeah. Is that Kerry Pickett? No, it wasn't. Oh, Kerry. okay. No. No, but same era, yeah. same dude, yep. you know, just grabbing your face mask and just yeah. screaming at you. I'm just yeah. like, what is going on? See, yeah, so I remember we had, when game, we had Fitz's camps, um, I remember he'd, not near the end, but in the beginning, you know, he'd put a kid on the free throw line and all the kids are, you know, in the camp are around there and he'd say, make the free throw. And if the kid wouldn't make it, he'd scream at him and say, it's not okay. You know, just the whole missing a free throw and slapping it. It's not okay. But then when the kid would make it, he'd make everybody applaud for him. But, you know, that you know, wasn't something that I don't think you see, you know, a whole lot of right now. And, you know, Stockton obviously was a huge part of your life too. Um, uh, Tell me your John stories because I've, you know, I grew up, John John ran the basketball camp at G Prep when I was like in sixth grade. So we would go ride our bikes every summer and we'd go to the G Prep basketball camp when we were, you know, kids. And John was, I think a senior. And he was like our star. Like he was, oh my God, we we thought he was amazing because, my favorite memory of John in the old Boone Street barn yeah. <laughs> at, at the Coliseum in Spokane was in high school watching him. There was no shot clock. He was his own f- four corners. Yeah. He would kill the last five minutes of the game by just dribbling around. He's like Curly Neal from the Globetrotters. He was Curly Neal. Yeah. He couldn't catch him, and they'd have to foul him, and then he'd make free throws. Yeah. 
and, and I mean, guys like that changed the rules. <laughs> you know? yeah. So we thought he was just the, the coolest thing. And, he, you know, my brother and him were graduating the same year. And, and, and so I, John was around. And my, parent, my, my mom and Jack Stockton went to first grade together. You know, like, they just we just knew each other our whole lives. and Or their family. And I knew his sisters. And it was just kind of part of the deal, you know. For you... He played with Bryce, right? Right. And what? And and he still played. Like? He still played in the off season, you know, with us. He just was so a what, different yeah, animal well, with a so, different gear. So he would finish playing because I think that I literally believe that John Stockton has played basketball every day of his life since he was ten. Yeah. Still. Yeah, they made him back off to try to add some years to his career because his work ethic is just so huge. You know, and so they he still played it, 19 years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, with, with John, I mean, he's just, he's such a down to earth, great guy. He is. And so he one is. thing I'll always tell people is, you know, the initial reaction of people that don't know him is that's John Stockton. That's John Stockton. And I'm like, go talk to him. And the shiny luster is gone right away. And you just realize he's just a, he's just a good guy. Totally. You know, as much as he wanted, you know, when he's in, <clears throat> when he's in Utah playing for the jazz and he's, you know, leaving for games, he wants it to be like Jack leaving for, you know, his job as he was growing up, dad's going to work, yep. dad's back from work. Right. You know, and then you have, um, like, uh, when we worked the John Stockton school of basketball, right? So it was three weeks of boys camps and then a girls camp at the end. There was a team camp, two weeks of boys camps and then a girls Where camp at the end. Where was that held? Started off at Post Falls High School um, <laughs> as a day camp and then we moved it to SFCC and then it was an overnight camp. Um, and, uh, and then we moved it to Gonzaga as an overnight and it stayed as an overnight camp. But in that camp, John wouldn't do it uh, when it finally, uh, we didn't have the John Stockton School of Basketball anymore. It's because John couldn't be there like every single day. I mean, if he couldn't be like every counselor, so I'm working the camp as a counselor, John's putting in the same hours as I am. John has, you know, his own station and his own clinic that the kids rotate yep. through. Right. John, he's just one of the John one of coaches. The guys. Yep, John coaches one of the teams. Wow. I mean, it's just he's just a, a lunch lunch pail guy. Yeah, and his his mom, you know, Clemmy was so great, and his yeah, dad, you know, was. they gave me a job. I worked at Jack and Dan's for for three summers. Did you? Which, yeah, was just uh, amazing. And they still survive somehow. Amazing. They still experience. stayed open. Even <laughs> even that, it's like a different animal back then. Oh yeah. Yeah. Jack so, was a fiery dude, man. Yeah. Jack he was, was the best. He was fun and, and uh, could scare you too. Yeah. He kind of get, he would get fired up a little bit, you know. Yeah. It was just a great, I mean, I, I couldn't have been, I, I was just so socially inept. And that job helped me so much. You were pretty much. shy. Yeah. And that job was just, just a great, just a great place. It was a great place to work. It was. Great boss, great people. It was. Yeah, I, I, um, I remember my dad went to high school with Jack and Dan. Danny Crowley. Mm -hmm. And so when I was 21, he said, okay, I want to buy your first legal beer at a place you're so familiar with. <laughs> Meet me at Jack and Dan's. That's right. So I went to, to Jack and I had my, my first beer in the corner booth there with Jack, Dan, and my dad. And, oh, that's a great and story. so now I, my kids, both their first 21 beer they mm -hmm. had in the same booth and yeah i mean it's there's a there's a tradition there yeah. it's there's really a, they a special had a, they had a place. stairway i don't think it's there anymore yeah um because it used to be university pharmacy oh i worked right at university to it. pharmacy yeah so did my wife so did dana did she really yeah no way that yeah. was a great gig yeah it was yeah. the best gig yep and uh but there's a stairway that went by where the bar is now yeah yeah so down to the storeroom or whatever yeah yeah, yeah yeah and then on your last shift you'd sign the wall 
And I never signed the wall because I'm like, I don't know when I'm going to need to pick up another shift. You, know? <laughs> you still might need you know it. Yeah, I know. You, I know. you never know. That's right. Jimmy, you never know that you when I don't you think fight. I'd qualify anymore. <laughs> when did you first meet John? Um, was he just always It was a around? city state. They used to have this. I don't know if they still have it. City state basketball game. So they'd take all the best players in the state and they'd put half of them on a team they'd call the city and half a team oh, they'd yeah. call this state. Right. And one game would be on the west side of the state and one game would be in in the east side of the state. And did I just you remember. For, did you, where did no, you go? No, no, Bryce played in it and John played in it. And what, I just remember being. What high being, school was that? Was it, I was at Bellarmine. Bellarmine. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And uh, and I just remember being in a hotel room and sitting there with um, the, oh, Rodney Taylor, um, just some old names, and Bryce, and then John was there. And John was just holding court because he's just so funny. Quick-witted. F- People don't know how funny that guy is. Yeah. I remember watching Legion Baseball up at, Al K Jackson Field at Shadel, you know, because yeah, I lived yeah. right by Shadel, and we'd ride up and watch the Legion games. It was great summer night, you know, it was just the best. And John would be, he'd go to the game sometimes, and sit right behind the ump, and heckle the crap out of that guy. And I'm just like, whoa, this guy is. He, you don't think he trash talked? Hell yeah, he did. Yeah, he. He, is he just seemed like the quick, choir boy, but quick witted and funny. Yeah. Were you a trash talker, McPhee? Never. Really? Ever. Doug Spradley. Uh, not, I mean, I wouldn't characterize him as a trash talker. No. He's fiery. He, I mean, once, once. The, I love Doug. Yeah. Once the, once the, you know, the clock started and it was actual game time, nobody played harder. No, he was intense, dude. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite Doug Spradley memory is we were in my dorm room. No, it was his dorm room. Uh, the Masters was on 1986 Sunday. Jack Nicholas's one under par front nine. He's seven shots off, something crazy like that. And I'm like, Jack's going to win this. And Spradley's like, you are absolutely crazy. He's an old man. He's done. Because Doug played golf. He yeah. and I would go play golf. Uh, and, and I was just like, yeah, it is. And so we, I don't know if we bet anything. I think we did. And, and it was like, he's going to totally win this. And then he makes birdie after birdie. Makes an eagle. And Spradley's like, what in the hell is going on here? <laughs> and then the room gets fuller. And I mean, our entire floor is there watching that that final round. And Spradley was, he had to just eat curl the whole time. And I was so happy. Because yeah, he was a hell of a, he well, was a, he could he's anything. an amazing guy. Yeah, amazing athlete, period, at anything. So the tennis uh, coach, tennis coach wanted him to play golfer. tennis. Said he'd be number one tennis player. And Fitz said, nope. Golf coach wanted him to golf. I mean, anything yeah. he wanted to do. The guy just had an innate ability. You, what about you? No? No. Really? Me? Yeah. No. You couldn't. You don't have the same thing? No, not at all. I was the guy that was in the gym just 10 hours a day because I had to. Focused on that one thing. Well, because I had to. I just wasn't naturally gifted. Whatever. No. I mean, truly, some guys Some guys just, you know, rolling out of bed. They're just, just kind of Just kind of naturals. That yeah. just wasn't me. Yeah. All-time favorite Zags. My brother Bryce, by far. What did uh, you learn from him? What did he teach you the most? Uh, toughness, uh, intensity. Probably the most thing is just work ethic. Um, he was. I remember. I he was one of my favorite players when yeah. I was a kid, like with seventh grade, right, or whatever. Yeah. Phenomenal no, he was. He that was team was absent. good. So when he got done, so he was John's year, and then he uh, blew out his knee, mm, or no, he, right. he broke his leg and had to redshirt. And so that's what separated he and John from finishing okay, together. Okay, that's right. And then my, and then Bryce's last year at Gonzaga, he uh, blew out his knee. That ended his college career. And then um, he was rehabbing. He was still going to play overseas. Um, and he was rehabbing, and he got hit by a car. He was riding his bike, got hit by a car, blew out his other knee. 
But after Stockton goes and goes through the combines, he's last cut on the U.S. Olympic team. I remember he that. rides in the van back to the airport with Charles Barkley and Terry Porter as the last cut. Right. So he goes through the whole you know Bobby Knight grinder. Think, think about that. Gets drafted 16th in the NBA draft. Mm-hmm. And USA Today asks him, who's the toughest guy you played against through all that? You know, Ewing, Jordan, whatever. And he said, Bryce McPhee every day in practice. So and Bryce was a Bryce would have been a ten year pro easy. I, I was going to say that I think he could have played a long oh, yeah. time. I think easily. What about you? What when, when did you stop? Uh, I got my chance. I played uh, rookie camp. Uh, That's right for the, for the Sonics, and then That's right. on the last day of rookie camp, they cut everybody, um, or they cut who they were going to cut because you were playing for one spot on the NBA summer league team. And, How uh, cool is that, dude? Yeah, that's awesome. It was. It was. And the Sonics, man. Because it was Casey Jones too, oh, which just right. seeing that guy, and so then after they cut everybody, there was still like half a day left, and some guys left, other guys just dogged it up, and for whatever reason, I had my best time in rookie camp after they told me that I was done. And so I'm sitting with Bryce uh, afterwards that day, and in the basement of his mother-in-law's house and she calls down from the top of the stairs and says jimmy telephone i'm like i don't want to talk to anybody she goes it's casey jones and so I pick up the phone i'll, I'll talk to and him. casey yeah and so casey jones is saying i'm not promising you that you will see the court at all but i'm going to make an 11th spot for you on the summer league team if you want it get out of here yeah and i said can i keep the practice gear and he goes, yep. I go, you've got a deal. So <laughs> i went to the nba summer league and it just did, happened did, to be, did you get paid uh, no, but the per diem was more than any more money right. than I've uh, ever made in my life. Well, I, I remember John playing uh, sophomore year, his second year, and Jim went and saw him. My brother went and saw him, and they just went and had a beer afterwards, just the two of them. And he's like, "I'm keeping all my meal money." Right, right. <laughs> For Even me, he, it was like a staggering he, amount. Yeah, right. And then, so at the mm-hmm. NBA summer league happened to be at Loyola Marymount, where I'd played for my whole college career. Right, of course. And uh, and then some guys got disgruntled with their playing time, and they quit the summer league team. So I just go up the depth chart by default. Right. And we got Sean Kemp on the team too, which doesn't hurt because wow. he was a rookie. He was coming into his, you know, I think it was coming into his rookie year. Wow. So anyway. Then the first game that I go up the depth chart, the guy that's guarding me is playing for the Phoenix Suns. He's a Pepperdine guy that I, you know, who played it? against all the time. Craig Davis, okay, who I played against all the time. And so I mean, things just fell into place. And then I made the, I made veterans camp, and uh, there the writing was on the wall because the guy in front of me was on guaranteed money. So to cut him, they'd have to pay him his salary. Isn't plus that funny how? how mine. And that's where you run into the. Not politics, but the the contracts situation right. that affects you. Even if you're a better player, you're not going to get see the light yeah. of day. And then, uh, but that was like you know Xavier McDaniel and <laughs> Gary Payton and wow. those guys. It was just great, you know, and, and just just being able to talk with Casey Jones every day. What was he like? Quiet, you know. So like I remember once, in so we're sitting there and, and we're not doing what he wants. So he wants the defender to seal off in this one part, and the guy's not getting there. And so he'd blow his whistle. He'd say, "No, I want you to." Seal that off over there. So, okay, don't seal it off. Blows the whistle. Seal that off over there. I mean, he's coming from coaching Bird and McHale and, I mean, all these just right. veterans that you I mean, know were just polished. Several NBA yeah. championships. And yeah. so then the third time he just blows his whistle and he goes, let's come back at three. You know, this is a morning practice. That's that's him yelling at you. Was just was it not going to tolerate that. I think so. I think so. I think Cause so. Because I, I don't know that the that those you know players would respond to somebody just screaming at them. No, they wouldn't. And today, especially, but they didn't like to go home and then have to come back at three. 
And he just wow. commanded. He just commanded respect. He was such a great man. Well, dude, he's Casey Jones. I know. I mean, I know. That, he knew how to work the quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That. Wow. Did you ever think about playing overseas, or was that? I it? did. I had a deal. I had missed the European season, um, and so I had a deal with the Amsterdam Flying Dutchman for the following year. She would have been such a good Dutchman. Yeah, I know. But you know, I so in that in that interim year in the, the CBA team, Dutchman. the CBA. There's some swag you want. Oh, I tell you what, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the the CBA a CBA team had drafted the rights to me, so I had to go there for a certain period of time to get released, and then I could go. And the CBA overseas. was was then like the minor right was like minor league basketball, yeah. right? Right. And it was Triple in, A or something. Yeah, it was not great. It, and I was in Wichita Falls, Texas. Kind of, but I was injured. Towns. I ended the my time with the Sonics injured, and so I had to go there, but I couldn't play because of this ankle injury. So I had to just be there for a couple of weeks and get released. And then in that interim year, I, you know, when you're a kid and you're, you know, sixth grade, seventh grade, shooting free throws in the rain, you're not winning games for the Amsterdam Flying Dutchman. And I just thought I'm going to get on with with, with law school. And you went to law school. Yep. Wow. And and was it Gonzaga? Yeah. And is that what you wanted to do the whole time? Had you thought about that? No, no. I, from a young age, so I'm the youngest of nine, and my mom said, you're going to be the first American pope, president of the United States, or an attorney. And I don't know why she chose attorney, but I'd seem to, you know. But the whole time, I'm like, no, 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 I'm not going to be a lawyer. And then after. But pope, maybe? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't really look into that one. but I was going to say, could you do all three somehow? <laughs> is there a joke there? There has the to lawyer be. or the pope and the yeah, yeah walk into walk into a bar. But when I got done with undergrad, um, and I was done playing basketball, I just was taking a look at anything that I could do and what would I be well suited to. And so I just talked to as many family friends as I could, and it just kind of had an epiphany. How has it been? It's good. It's uh, you know it, it fits is, you. I, I wasn't surprised at all when I found that. I'm like, yeah, that seems exactly like. You know, that what would be interesting to you. People, you know, say, what's the crossover? How is it like sports? You know, what did sports do to, you know, to, you know, lead to this? But, you know, one thing with sports that people don't realize, it's a lot of time management, a lot of discipline and work ethic. And it's a lot of you're down 10, but it doesn't matter. You're going to just keep, you know, sawing Grinding wood. and fighting. Yep. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I just think the work ethic part of it, you know, lends itself to it. And then I've been lucky when I played and now at my firm, just surrounded by Awesome people. You are, are you are a partner, are you not? Mm-hmm. How is that? That's not that's a pretty great. What firm is it? And Witherspoon, Brasich, McPhee. Yeah, but I mean, how was that? What was that like? Getting that again, same thing. Like a natural progression. It's kind of like a goal. I mean, it's what you. So when I was done, you know, playing sports and went to law school, it's you know, I want to, I want to be number one. I want to be a really good lawyer, um, and then number two, I mean, ultimately, you just want to be a partner and you want to you want to own your own firm. What made you stay here? Dana's not from here, is she? No, she's from Gillette, Wyoming. Right. So I just love Spokane. Between. You know, it, it. so I went growing up in Tacoma after my freshman year at Gonzaga. I went back to Tacoma for the summer. But after that, to be able to play with Stockton. Because um, he would come I came back, back every Yeah, he'd summer. come back and work out with us. Like the and, next day. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> and uh, so I started staying in the you summers. You would not have done that, McFeed. Uh, yeah. No. They... Um, you know, you get used to four seasons yeah. growing up in 300 days of rain. Yeah, And then right. I just I just grew to love Spokane. So why do you think so many Zags stay? Because you were the first of, I mean, with the, the, you weren't the first, but. Yeah, but back in the day, it wasn't. The, you were one of the early guys, yeah. and, and there are so many that live here now. Again, it's just how tight 
how tight the the teammates are, but also just how Spokane has changed too. I mean, it's a it's also a different animal. Yeah, it's a I different mean, place. all the foot traffic downtown, you just didn't see it you right. know, back in the It was a ghost town. It's last much century. more vibrant now, yeah. yeah. <laughs> last century. <laughs> Don't say it that we way. We went to college last century. I played for Gonzaga last Shut century. <laughs> I know how old you are. Um, uh, so Stockton has this secret game. Tell me all about Tell me all the stuff you're I never, supposed to. Yeah. You didn't get to go? Well, he hasn't no. invited McPhee? What uh, the hell? Uh, no, my son. My son would play in it when he was in high school. Oh, okay. He did. Yeah. yeah. Did it's he... just... <clears throat> It's as intense as it gets, and as intense as you want it. I mean, it did is. he? So he kicks the parents out. Does he kick you out? Uh, no, well, I never. I knew not to go in. <laughs> you didn't even ask. Nope. Well, I mean, it's the same thing you were talking about before, right? Like, I don't want you. Parents shouldn't be here, right? And and I think there's something lost there, right? Because right. what what do you think it's lost, and why and why do that? Because I can see some parents going, wait a minute, what goes on in there? Yeah. Well, I mean, when you get with a group of guys like that, that that are intense and that can really play and really know how to play. So there's a huge age range. So tell me who plays in this thing. Anymore, I'm not certain. I mean, you got Mike Nielsen, John, you know, Shan Furch, who played when I played. I think he's still I think he's still playing in that game. But, but, but like, Olenek will come back and play. Guys, and right. you'll, get, you'll get guys who, you know, played for Gonzaga or in the right. NBA that will come back and play. Yeah. But you get the, you can get this huge age range, but it doesn't matter because they can all play, you know, and they're just all really good, but they're all so intense. And I think you just don't get an outside influence. You don't get, you know, did, did one of my parents see that? And what are they going to think about this? It is right in the moment. What did I do last play? What can I do to help the team right now? And that's all that matters because that's all that's going on right then. So, and it's, and it is an, it's an intense um, you know, environment. It's just an offshoot of when, you know, the same type of thing. This became, you know, John and John's kind of invite only, but before it was John would play with us and it was the same type of invite only. And some people would get upset that they couldn't get into a game. Um, but a, a lot of that was just because, again, you'd have the, the people that can that can play. Yeah, yeah. I, and a lot of the players who play for Gonzaga have played in that. Yeah. They, they play yep. in it. Do you think it's helped the program? Do you think it has some Oh, absolutely. Kind of- yeah. Part of that? Yep. Well, why? I think, uh, you know, a lot of it is, so <laughs> when you talk about becoming, you know, the type of a player that's going to understand the system and the type of person that's going to thrive in the system, just being around people who have thrived in the system, you know, they're going to be displaying the habits that made them a success, and it's just going to help those people be a success in the program. Tell me about your kids. You're, you're yeah. old like me, so we, they're yeah. getting so to McKenzie, be old people. Today was Mackenzie's last day in her rotation uh, of her final rotation in medical school. Congratulations. So now man. she is. Cheers, man. That's a you. huge. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Dr. McKenzie. Mm-hmm. Wow. So she finished. So now all she has to do is graduate. And then she interviewed for all the different residency programs. Um, and then you rank them, you know, she ranked them one through nine. And then March 18 was match day. She finds out which one of the highest ranked ones she gets to go to. And she got her number one match. So she's going to Peoria, Illinois. Wow. Pediatric hospital there. Wow. So she's really, she's really excited. We're all really excited. And then Will is uh, my son, 24. He is um, at Eastern Washington University getting his master's. Wants to write. That's really, cool. really talented. Wow. And uh, just proposed to his of, girlfriend. Got a lot of uh, all that talent from his mom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, just proposed to his girlfriend. And so a lot, of, lots of stuff happening. And then we have Emerson, who we adopted from Haiti. 
when he was 15, just came here just before his 16th birthday. Tell me about so, that. How did that all come together? So Dana went down after the earthquake. I don't know how many years ago that was. She went down with, uh, she's a physical therapist, a neurocertified specialist PT. So she went down with a group of healthcare providers and doctors and just provided relief after the after that. And Emerson was the translator at, at his orphanage, mm. um, just unlicensed orphanage that they just went and helped at. And then when she came back, so I'm the youngest of nine, and there's been international adop- adoptions by my siblings. And so we always mm. thought about it, thought about it, and figured Dana would come back from Haiti and be talking. But she just kept mentioning Emerson, Emerson, Emerson. And, um, and so it's a long process. Took us almost three years, you know, five trips down there. And then uh, yeah, mm. Emerson's, Emerson's here, just was hanging out with him last night. How old is he? He is 24 also. Wow. So just a huge heart, uh, very gregarious, really good work ethic too. And he's, I was joking, he's still trying to figure out if he wants to be an astronaut, a superhero, or a cowboy. Or the Pope. Yep. Or, or there or you go. Attorney. There you go. But uh, <laughs> no, it's just he's, you know, he's just, you know, bless the family. Well, that's awesome. I, I just, I'm grateful you gave me the time of day, first of all, <laughs> you know. What, what's been the most best part of your, your career? Which career? I mean, the, 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 the attorney piece. What, what, what's the been? The people. You know, again, I'm just lucky. I, I think back to the guys that I played basketball with and the coaches that I had. And, you know, you don't get a lot of choice in that. And I just was so lucky, you know, the whole time. Um, and it's the same way with the law firm. I mean, I've got the everybody top to bottom. You know, I look forward to seeing them every day. Well, you might have something to do with that. Yeah, but I mean, no, there's still a lot of, you know, uh, when I take a look at who I get to practice law with, you know, and the and, and everybody top to bottom, like I said, I'm just, just lucky. Well, I'm lucky you, you said yes to doing this. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's been a while since we've, we've hung out. Yeah. But uh, I still, man... You know, Desmet was pretty fun. That was that was as closest thing as as you could get to a, a frat. Exactly, I think. don't you think? Yeah, yeah. Are they still the players still in Desmet? I don't know. God, I, I hope I, not for their case. I know for their sake. I know. <laughs> I'm sure they've amped. You know, now it's nice. Yeah, but boy, back then I don't know that it is. One of my nephews came up through Gonzaga, and it, he stayed in one of the same rooms that I did, like my sophomore year. No way. Yeah. It, it was so cool. That was like. I don't know. There was something magic about yeah. that place, and it probably still is. But yeah. yeah. And I... Um, no, I still remember you and Lefty had the corner room. We had the corner room, and he and you remember Sleepmate. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do remember Sleepmate. I'm not I just looked that at that up. thing for a few seconds. Like, what? What is that? Didn't well, make any I, sense. When, when Lefty was on here, I told the story of going trying to go home and <laughs> for, for Christmas break and not being able to sleep the entire time because wow. I had been so hooked by Sleepmate, the white noise machine. But no, it was fun, and I and even though we snuck a keg into our room, you were I swear to you were not there. Fitz McPhee had nothing to do. <laughs> That's right. Even though his last name is Irish, he uh, was nowhere to be seen. You ever talked to Doug Spradley? Speaking of, mm-mm. no, I haven't stayed in touch. He went to Germany. He, he went to Germany. He was like a legendary coach over there. Yeah. So he was. Uh, he played his way up. He started with the Amsterdam Flying Dutchman, by the way. <laughs> I was riding his coattails. He took your spot. Oh, so, oh you're no, no, his I was right. Yeah, he he finished before me. He is a and flying he, Dutchman, by the he, way. Okay. Yeah, he played his way up into one of the toughest leagues in Germany, and then he was, as I understand it, he was player coach. Yep. You know, and then right. he was coach. He just had this this amazing success. Uh, he's kind of a legend there, I think. Yeah. I, I'm going to try. We're going to get this podcast in a situation where we can, uh, you know, Zoom 
and mm-hmm. and but I like when people come in because it's just better. But but I he's on my list to zoom with someday. I just yeah, some we're guys Facebook went, friends and some, yeah, some guys went and visited Germany and they look up and there's this billboard and it's Spradley. Are you kidding? Uh uh-uh. Are you serious? Yeah. No, he's he's uh, he was he had a, a big... huge career for himself over there. Wow, that that's and from the bottom up too. I'm so not, he just I'm kind of not surprised. The guy yeah. was a player. Oh, he was he had some. I think he he got a. a a bad run in the NBA summer league. He was playing for the Phoenix Suns. Mm. I think it might have just been a bad situation because, you know, there are people – I think I could have played in the NBA with luck. I mean, I had to have, like, the exact right path to get there, and things had to really <clears throat> fall into Kind of like it did for John. I mean, he got lucky with the right setup and the right coach and the right – right? Who's that? Stockton. No, Stockton plays for anybody. You think so? Oh, I do. I, I think he's another guy that just doesn't matter what team. You where, don't think? He's going to get found out, and he's going to play You anywhere. think so? And and I okay. would, I would have needed to like because he he has said that well I just got lucky with he Frank he says and the that whole, he says yeah. that but you just don't get no, a motor no. like that right no. come on of course but, but uh and so I would have needed to thread three or four needles to be able to make a roster I think Spradley would have been a ten year pro you know and and it always made me sad that you know that that he did have that you know whatever happened with Phoenix in the in the NBA summer league because then I I think seven times out of ten that guy. Plays for years and years and years. He's you, so good. You think Gonzaga wins a national championship someday? I do. And I you're do. not worried about it's this? Tough. It's tough. To, I mean, the, the question is how long can you maintain this run? And their ability to reload with players is staggering. Um, but I, I got to think they're going to crack the code. I think they are too. I think they are too. Well, I'll be there. Will you be there if they get there? I'm going to go again every time. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks for doing this. MIP Podcast was filmed at the studio of Corner Booth Media. Please sure to like, subscribe, and follow us on social media. You can also listen to us on Spotify, Apple Music, and anywhere podcasts can be found. Be good to yourself and stay classy.